Jeff talked me into uh, coming out here and, and uh, giving a little talk. And uh, when I was speaking with him, I, I, I said, I, I really don't know if I have anything to say for you. And we, we, just, we, we were talking about some incidences and things that, in the workplace. And he said, oh, for sure, you have to come out here and uh, uh, speak with our group. So uh, we'll take it from there. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, I graduated from uh, the U of I in uh, 1962 with a, a BS in mechanical engineering. My first uh, job out of uh, school was um, with the Signal Corporation and I was uh, in machine design and uh, it was uh, developing equipment and, and most of the equipment that I did was for the steel mills. And I got into my head that what I really wanted to do was to manufacture things. I wanted, I wanted to make a product and uh, so I, I looked at, at changing my position and I started to work as a product engineer with a small bearing company in the city, it's called Etna Bearing Company. And I started off as a, a product engineer and uh, this is where I started uh, getting my background in uh, manufacturing and punch presses, screw machines, uh, things, things of this nature. I, I, I developed into uh, quality control at that point in time. The, I ended up with the, in charge of the engineering department and the quality control. And at the same time I was doing this, I, I was uh, doing my work at DePaul for my uh, master's in business administration. And well, I started reading a series of books that had a pretty big effect on me. And, and and it was called The Human Side of Enterprise. And what it was is uh, using people in the manufacturing equation and what a, a valuable resource it was. And it started kind of um, dictating the way I approached uh, my various uh, positions. Uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of instances where I use this approach and uh, the first one was at, at, at Etna. Uh, I developed a, a, a clutch throw-out bearing and most people don't know what a clutch throw-out bearing is now. We don't have those kind of things anymore but uh, we, we were, we were uh, buying a, a carrier and we, we manufactured the bearing and put the two of them together. So half of the product was uh, purchased and so what I did is I developed a way that we could manufacture this carrier internally. But what it required was some, doing something out of the ordinary. We had to, uh, I'm going to mention screw machine. A screw machine is not for making screws. It, what it is, it's a multiple spindle machine uh, for machining parts so that you could, they're, they're relatively large, could be anywhere from from a half inch up to six, eight inches. The parts that I'm talking about are about two inches in diameter or so. And what I had to do was to come up with an extremely good finish on the bore of this, of this part. And I, I located a device that was, uh, it's called a burnishing tool. And I read about it and I said, well, this, this is going to give me what I want. But I had a lot of resistance with regards to the people in, in the plant. Uh, they said, oh, that you can't use that. It won't work on this machine. And 
we'll never be able to do it on the screw machine and this and that, you know. So I started working with uh, some of the plant foremen and uh, trying to cajole them and, and get them to, to come up with, uh, to at least try this idea. And finally I told them, I said, listen, I'll buy the tooling out of my, my department budget. You just, you just try it. Well, okay, I, you, know, I, you know, I don't know, but it's not going to work and this and that. So I would talk with them every day and we would try things out and, and then all of a sudden, by working with them and getting them involved, they took this project on as their own. And they said, we are going to make this work, you know. And uh, they started coming up with some finishes that were just incredible. I mean, it was, uh, they were almost like mirror finishes. They were almost too good, you know. And every time I would go down, they oh no, we're going to get it better. We're going to do this and this. But the, the big point was, is getting the people involved in the project. And uh, uh, so this was a, a, a fairly, a fairly substantial thing at, at the time. Uh, in amount, well, I, I actually ended up selling the uh, idea to Ford Motor Company, and uh, uh, we sold them on the idea. I did a lot of testing with Ford Motor Company, and it, and it, it, uh, it brought in like a million dollars for the company on this one one project, and this was back in. Uh, well, 1967, 68 time frame, so which which was quite a bit of money at that time. And I told them I told them at, at one of the uh, banquets that we had in, uh, for the people. And I said, you know, reminds me of a story, a little anecdote. It's about this uh, truck that gets stuck under a viaduct. It was going down the road and it got stuck and. Uh, these engineers are there trying to get it out and pulling it out and it's not uh, coming out and there's, there's a young boy that was sitting on the curb over there, you know, and uh, he says, Mr. Mr., he says, he says, I know how to get out. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, yeah, uh, all you have to do is let the air out of the tires and the, the, the truck will come down and sure enough it will come down. And I said, well, in, and the point of the story is, is, is that this what person was the closest one to the problem. And so what we did then is uh, uh, the people in the shop were the closest ones to, have, to help this thing, this project to, to go by. So af after, I, after I left uh, uh, Aetna, I, I went to work for a company called Berg Manufacturing. And uh, I was hired as a, started off to be an engineer, but with my background in manufacturing and quality control, uh, I was hired as a, uh, the uh, manager of product reliability, and I had all of the uh, quality control department for me. And I worked as liaison between manufacturing and engineering. <coughs> and at this time, this, this particular company was having all kinds of quality problems and, and, and what have you. And uh, when I went through, I said, I said to myself, I, this was an ideal kind of a situation where uh, anybody could come in and really kind of look like a hero because they, they were literally backwards in many, many methods of manufacturing and, and quality control. And one of the biggest things was uh, hiring people. I, I needed to hire two uh, inspectors for the department. 
and the plant manager told me, he says, well, he said, you have to hire people on the basis of seniority. It was a very relatively strong union in, in, in the company. And I says, well, I says, I was hired here to strengthen the ins inspection department. And I says, I have to hire the people that I think that are going to do the job. And he says, no, he says, you, you, you gotta hire. we've got strict rules with regards to the union. So I said, okay, I says, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to run a class for the people. I said, anybody who wants to can come to this class. It is going to be after hours, on your own time, and I will teach you everything that you need to know to be an inspector. <clears throat> and then I said, what? I, I, I will personally lead this class. I will personally evaluate it. I said, all you have to do is, is pass the test, and then I will take people on the basis of seniority. And I had been there long enough to realize, you know, who were the strong people in the, in the company and who were, who were the weak people, but uh, again, I, I, I needed to follow a, a, a very strong procedure. So we, we ran this class, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it, it was a lot of minorities in, in the company, and um, when I went through the class, I, I, I felt really very sorry for them, because they, many of the basic things, adding and subtracting, they were having problems with, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, you needed these kinds of backgrounds uh, to, to become uh, strong in uh, the inspection department. So we, we ran the class for about five, five weeks, five or six weeks, and uh, the, uh, the people took the, took the class, they, 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 uh, they really got into it, they, but they were, a lot of them were very, very limited. And I ended up uh, hiring the people who I thought what I would hire to begin with. And I had absolutely no problems whatsoever with the unions at all. As a matter of fact, the people thanked me for not taking them in the position that, uh, as an ins inspector. They, they just thought it was a, a kind of a thing that you sat down at a desk and you know, didn't do anything all day. And so they realized what was involved in the job itself, and they realized that their own limitations, but they also thanked me uh, profusely for helping them out. And one of the, one of the biggest compliments I think I got was um, uh, one of the uh, setup people in uh, in the machining department came up to me afterwards, and he said, "He said my wife ran took the class with you and." And I really feel, felt kind of bad because his his wife was breaking down in tears a number of times. But uh, at, when we were done with the class, she gave me a big hug and she said, "Thank you for not taking me." You know, but uh, but he said he said, "I want to know when you're going to run the class again." He said, "I don't want to become an inspector." He says, "I want to know some. I want to learn some of the skills that you were teaching to help me to do my job better." And I thought, oh, this was really probably one of the one of the 
biggest compliments that uh, you know I could have been paid at that time. Uh, during the course of that year, it was it was really really kind of kind of strange. I don't I don't know why it came about, but uh, there was a big wall in the center of the of the center of the plant and. Uh, I, I came in the plant one day and on it, uh, it was scrawled in big letters, I am somebody. And I, and I, I said, wow, I said, you know, this is, this is really, really kind of, you know, it, it, it really got to me because these, these people were, I, they were just, they were just there working. They had no in, real involvement in, with, the, with the things that they were doing. You know, and and, and these uh, incidents that happened to me really changed the way I looked at, at people uh, throughout the, the rest of my career. Um, I think at the time I, I didn't understand uh, the guiding principle behind this. I didn't I didn't feel that there was any real divine intervention. It was just that uh, that I. I thought people should be treated, uh, you know, as humans, and 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 to give them help uh, wherever possible. And later on, as I think, as I as I mellowed through the years, uh, I, I started looking at this from the standpoint of of how my religion uh, had affected my my. What work ethic and how I approached working with people and uh, and the various uh, ways of uh, of uh, getting to get things done and so that's basically the kind of the uh, um, approach that I had with regards to uh, my religion in in the workplace. So I don't know if anybody has any questions or anything. I, I really don't have much more to say. So. Yes? Did you um, learn from your experience with working with minorities that they had aspirations that you didn't think they had? Was that kind of uh, Repeat the question so that the rest of the audience... Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't quite... Could you repeat? I, my question was, when you were working with these minority union workers, did you discover that they had aspirations you didn't think they had? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if it was. Uh, I, I I didn't see the aspirations there. I I think that I saw that they did want to improve themselves, but they just they just did not have the uh, the necessary skills to do it to do it. And uh, I, what what they really needed was uh, you know somebody to give them a little little boost. And, to help them along the way, and, I, and uh, I, again, it, it's uh, taken it's it's helped me throughout my career. I, I've, I'm semi-retired now. I only work part time, and uh, uh, I've been in manufacturing since since the the late '60s. So, Wally, when you um, decided who uh, who had taken the course um, had was going to get this job? Did you feel a sense of humility? 
You know, at the at the time I didn't. You know, when I when I first started set it up, you know, I, I didn't really know what to accept expect. Uh, it was kind of on touchy grounds. I, I really never did this kind of thing before, you know, and uh, I think the the humility came as I got into the the uh, situation uh, deeper. I saw that uh, I. I First of all, I, I was going to just teach how to use micrometers and veneers and, and things of this nature, uh, the tools of the, of the uh, trade. But I found that I ended up doing a lot of teaching about mathematics, or not mathematics, but uh, simple uh, arithmetic and, and things of this nature. And at that time, I, I I, I had a, a, a completely different feeling for the people. I, you know, uh, I, I didn't understand. I did coming from the background that I, I was, being a, a degreed engineer, I, 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 it was beyond me that people uh, of this age had these kind of difficulties. It, it, it didn't really dawn on me until I was really faced with it, and then, and then, then it was a whole different outlook on. And I had quite a few people in, uh, that signed up for the class, too. I think I had about 10 or 12 people. Did you say that your empathy for the people who were taking the class grew? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Not, not only for the people who were taking the class. I, I, I looked at the people who were working in the shop in a different uh, uh, aspect also. And I think that they, they looked to me uh, different also because when I first came there, I, I would uh, get to, try to get them to do certain things to help to, uh, make the product a little better, and they would fight me. They, you know, I, I would have a hard time. Uh, and one of the things is, uh, is a little bit technical, but when, when we checked diam inside diameters, uh, what they were doing, and these were relatively large diameters, uh, maybe anywhere from 6 to 12 inches, they were checking with plug gauges, and a plug gauge that size can weigh 20 pounds, you know, and it's, it's, it's really difficult and it's difficult to, to try to determine if you're making a good part or not. And one of the things I did was uh, I, I got them right away dial bore gauges, and, which is a, it's a, it looks like a stick with, with a, uh, a V down at the bottom and there are, there are indicator points and, and it, it just moves an indicator dial. So it was very easy to check it, but when I first got them to, uh, gave them the tools to use it with. They were using them like hammers. They, you know, they, they were just going to show me that, that they're, they're not going to do anything the way I want to do it. But then after a while, I, I would control them and I would um, you know, move, them, uh, you know, move them in the direction I wanted to go. I'd say, well, here, just try this. Look at this. You know, see, look at how heavy this is. And, uh, and I ended up uh, coming up with a much, much better product. Uh, very kind of an interesting thing. We were buying some parts from the outside, and uh, just after I started using these dial bore gauges, um, we got a, a bunch of product in from this one company who was very reliable, and they always uh, gave us some good parts. And all of this, all of the sizes were oversized. I said, "Oh my God, that's terrible!" I said, "They've never done this before." I, and so I called the guy up right away, you know, and I, I says, "You know, the parts are all oversized. They're they're too big." He said, I, you know, I've been making them like that for years. I, I said, I, I don't know what you're doing, but they're too big. And he says, how did you check them? I said, dial bore gauges. And he said, 
that's, he says, just stop right there. He said, when I first started making these parts, I was using dial bore gauges, and your people were rejecting them because they used a plug gauge, and it would, the plug gauges would not fit. So I made the parts bigger so they fit the plug gauge, <laughs> right? And, uh, and I says, okay, I says, uh, I'll accept this badge this way, but I says, don't do them anymore. You check them with the dial board gauges right away. So, so you know, we, it was just one thing after another that we, we you know, we, we started making par much, much better products.